Welcome to Lighting Our Way, a podcast of Uganda Christian University's Standard Newspaper. Here, we hear stories of self-reflection, removing the log in our eyes so that we may see the light and transform our world. Uh, welcome to this podcast. I'm your host, Sanya Elisha Bruno, and uh, I'm very delighted that we have one of the most charming and uh, man of God, who is going to share with us a number of issues here today. Thank you, Elijah. My name is Bishop Professor Alfred Oloa, O-L-W-A. I am the Bishop of the Diocese of Lango. Diocese of Lango is found in the northern part of Uganda. But I also double as the chairperson for Uganda Christian University Governing Council. Uh, in brief, uh, that's me. So, sir, well, how, how has been your journey as a minister of God? Well, Elijah, that is a, a million-dollar question because I've been in ministry now for well over 30 years. So a journey is a journey, so they say. But perhaps let me walk you the highlights of my journey, which is tied to my ministry. And so this goes back uh, to my early years when I look uh, with hindsight. I remember with much gratitude and privilege of growing up in a Christian home. And our home was at the sub-county headquarters of Namasale. This is on the lectures of Lake Kyoga, right in the center of Uganda. And uh, this was the workstation of my dad, and uh, he was a civil servant there. And the privilege of attending compulsory Sunday service at the Church of Uganda-founded school called Namasale is really something that began this ministry journey for me. I was listening to evangelists who crossed the lake. They were coming from the Kampala region and the Nakasongola region, which is overboard across Lake Kyoga. And so uh, the more I listened to them, the more I got drawn to hearing the message that they have. And it was really something for me to begin to engage with the Christian faith, but also the school with its compulsory Sunday services. This was something for me. Because it set me up, really, to begin to grow, if you like, into a curriculum, a Christian curriculum, as it was. So I came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as my Savior when I reached the secondary school. Uh, this is called Ngai Secondary School. By the standards of schools in Uganda, at that time, in the early 1980s, we had uh, new schools like Ngai. They were considered third world schools. Third world because a lot of things were not in place. We were studying in a grass such house. Uh, the first time I was sitting on a bench for my secondary education was senior three. No good textbooks. So you see, they call it third world. But evangelists came. And these evangelists were from the trumpeter's background. Again, in Uganda, we have different sects of evangelists. There is the reawakened, but these ones are called trumpeters. They use a trumpet, a local trumpet, to really throw the word of God across to people. 
And so this evangelist came and he preached and I got convicted to hear more about Jesus Christ. Remember at this time, Elijah, I was at crossroads because I was living during holidays with my maternal mother who herself was really with two traditional gods, African gods. One was called Omara. Omara is a name like Elijah. <laughs> another one was called Aguda. Aguda again is a, another name. But these were the two gods. I saw people coming from all over the country to her. It was a trade, and I was an apprentice to that trade. And particularly, two categories of people were frequent. Young, barren women who were at crossroads feeling that the Ministry of Health is not providing for their solution. And the pressure and the burden for childbearing was quite something. And I could see them and listen to them. And then the second category were young men who, to be honest, were just impotent. And the stress was much and some were considering committing suicide. So they wanted these gods, Mara and Aguda, to provide solutions to their problems. And so I was in that thread. And uh, as I continued in that thread, then came this wonderful day when the evangelist from the trumpeter's background, one, someone called Ochoma Petero, he preached to me about Jesus, the one who lifts away our burdens. This is in Matthew eleven twenty-eight, And I committed my life to Jesus, and it all changed my way of life, passion, and the way I have purpose for life. Once I done, did that, then I started ministry straight away. I would go to fellowships, I would give my testimony, and then I started doing to pray for people to be healed, cast out the demons, even without theological training. So my ministry had begun. Unlike today, many churches, when you get born again, they want to prepare you with very many courses to prepare you first before you can begin to witness. And in fact, in the preparations, you sometimes just lose it. But mine, straight away, I was put on course for ministry, and I kept on witnessing. But, let me say this. Marrying a Christian woman, my wife called Susan, an evangelist and a prayer warrior, in the 1990s, I married in 1980, but together with her, that gave me the stability and support that I needed to become a true disciple of Christ. So together... We have grown in our knowledge. We've grown in our love of God. We have grown uh, and have aimed throughout our lives to serve him with the gifts and talents he has blessed us with. We have been blessed with numerous opportunities to serve the church in our careers and our passion to serve the body of Christ at home and even abroad. And this deepens each year, even in the midst of COVID and the emerging issues of COVID. So I pray, as the Apostle Paul does in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, he says that God will keep you steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the Lord, our labor, in him, our labor, is not in vain. This is what I can say about our journey of faith as well as it's being intertwined with the Christian ministry. And now I am the bishop or an overseer of the ministry uh, in the Diocese of Lango. That comes with 
opportunities, but also with challenges for ministries. But by the grace of God, we are being led on by his love. So last time when I heard your sermon commenting about shining or being light in the dark world, mm. I want to understand, what does this mean to you? Because according to how you're explaining, everything comes from the dark world because uh, those two gods that people used to worship, now that, let me say, maybe it was the dark world. And now you saw light after being preached to. What do you have to say? What is the meaning of shining as light in the dark world to you? Well, for me now, take away Jesus from me, it is no life. And Jesus has come as light and life into a dark world. Uh, the meaning of darkness can be broad. But throughout scripture, the Bible teaches that actually the world we live in, one picture of the world is it is full of real circumstances that are evil, that are dark, for lack of a better word. And it is Jesus who is light and he exposes this evil, he exposes this darkness. And because he is light, the Bible tells us, you shine that light of Jesus to the world so that people may come to appreciate and love God. So really, that is one side of the world. But it's the other side of the world because Jesus is there and he is working through many people who have given their lives to him. There is light and there is hope. But look here. For me, many people mixes the meaning of darkness. There are things the Bible calls light. And the people in the world call it darkness. And there are things really, which is the reverse. It is darkness. And the other group calls it light. So here we are going with a, a Christian worldview, a biblical worldview. Jesus is the light that has come into a dark world. So that is for me. Uh, the distinction that I make. But let me say some two things more about light and darkness. You see, we live in a dark world full of lies, full of hate, full of confusion. Take, for example, imagine issues now of COVID. Our diocese of Lango or the region of Lango alone, statistics have shown that 23,000, can you imagine? 23,000 young girls of school-going age are pregnant. One wonders whether they know what they were doing or not. Some of them are just primary six, primary seven. They're children. And as if that is not bad enough, there are taboos, things which were unheard of. A father impregnating a daughter this is darkness. This is evil. This is out there. Really? This can never leave you the same when you have seen the light of Christ. And that's why we talk about it. We are passionate about it. That the Lord has a solution. So in Romans thirteen twelve, it says, Cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Think with me for a moment, Elijah. 23,000 pregnancies. Immediately after nine months, 
God forbid if they are all delivered. These children are our future. But how are they going to be raised up for a bright future when first of all even their birth, they are being made pregnant and their delivery was in the context of a dark world, darkness. Did you see the challenge there? Yeah, so, so there is that. So while others are chasing after physical pleasures and selfish gain, we believers in Jesus Christ, we are commanded by the word of God to live a different way. Namely, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. It sounds to be a very high standard. True, the standard is high. But at the same time, it's manageable with humility and understanding and by the help of the Lord Jesus living in our lives. But the second thing is, you know, Jesus said, let your light shine before others. Did you hear that? Matthew 5, 16. He explained that no one lights a lamp just to hide it under a basket. A lamp is meant to be placed on a stand to give light to everything around it. I like this. This is biblical. This is scripture. So whether you are outgoing like me or you are timid like others, and the Bible calls us very clearly that you are called to be a light to the people around you. This is only possible if you are taking time to interact with people, with Jesus in you, and to cultivate a relationship. Yep. Uh, my listener, there. <laughs> you didn't see the bishop who's first when he was talking about the children, these young girls who were pregnant, but me who saw it, he really sobs with deep sorrow about this. And uh, that brings me to the next question. These young people, the children, the youths, how can they keep being the light, the candle in this dark world? I want you to comment about that. These young people, you know, we may be taken up with by the world and the worldly things, but how can they keep being the light in this dark world? Well... It's clear from the Bible there's no in-between ways. A line is already drawn. The line is drawn. Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light shine before others. Even a young person can make his light shine before others. And that light is not his or her own. That light is Jesus Christ. Wherever he is in your life, you have accepted him, he will shine in the every aspect of your life. Wow. Okay. It's a quick one. Uh, understanding church, knowing church, knowing Christ, accepting Christ in your life will change and will keep your candle burning in this dark world. In the same line, I want to understand what's the role of the church? What's the role of the bishops, the reverends, the readers, there are a number of people. What's their role in making sure that the youths nowadays keep as light in this era? Well, there are a number of things that a church needs to do. Um, first of all, a church is there so people may worship God, including young people. A church is there so people may reach out in witness about the good news, including young people. 
church is there that people may be nurtured. People are taught, taught in their way of living, which is in the light of Christ. So these are really serious issues which some churches are missing. They are either having one or two of what I have said, but the three needs to be put together and all in balance. But specifically to come to our point, people need to be taught. Young people need to be taught, first of all, to be careful on what they say. Because, for example, the Bible calls the tongue a restless evil, full of deadly poison. This is in James chapter 3, verse 8. So that's pretty serious. Young people must be taught on to be careful on what they say, not just reckless, reckless speaking. And this needs to be modeled to them by the church leaders, by the people in the pews. So churches are there that they may model for young people what James is saying, to be careful on what they say. And parents particularly, who are members of the church too, because this cannot just be left to the priests or to the lay readers, uh, or to church leaders per se. It's for every Christian parent. We are supposed to tell people, especially young people, um, the right things to do. Secondly, you, you know that words are powerful. A word can uproot, a word can plant, a word can crush. Words are powerful. So it can be used for good or for bad. So the church is there to teach people, young people, to know the responsibility of using words. You might even uh, post, for example, a verse somewhere which says, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up or fits in the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear it. This is in Ephesians 4.29. You post this out, but you should also leave it. You should walk the talk. And young people need to see it being done uh, by the elderly. And also, young people need to be taught uh, to consider the kind of entertainment that they go for today. Adults need to teach them. Where do they go for fun? What shows or movies do the young people watch? What kind of music do they listen to? You know, there's a range out there. But would you go to the same places, watch the same things, listen to the same music, if the Lord Jesus were sitting next to you? Young people need to see this taught and lived by the church leaders, who sometimes just dismiss them off or assume them and simply leave them. For me, I'm trying to teach this. At All Saints Cathedral, Boroboro, where I am, where my chair is. I've started a program for young people. It's a crazy thing. It's called drinking porridge. (laughs) Just drinking porridge. Many young people come, like 400, 300, and they drink porridge together, and they make fun, and we have grouped them into eight groups, now according to different ages, and then we talk many, many life issues. You know, and now many are committing their lives. They are now living smoking bangi or marijuana, aimless living, aimless walking around, betting, you see, spets betting. So, so I, they must be taught. They really must be taught. 
about the kind of entertainment and the things they use. They must be taught how to use the media wisely. For example, uh, your field here. People are watching what you post, uh, whether they are in, interact with it or not, and they think about the things you have posted recently, and the photos and so on. So could they be seen as something prideful or self-centered or rude? No, they have to be taught that what they post can be seen in the light of the gospel. They must think about others. They have to be taught how to think about others. Consider how people's needs are, are met. The church needs to teach young people to understand this. And encourage instead of being critical all the time. They must be taught to be patient. The list can go on and on and on and on. But, you know, in Luke chapter 6, verse 31, we read, treat others the same way you want them to be treated. So the church leaders have to be teaching this, living this out, showing it. Well, I'm telling you, don't find this information elsewhere. Lord Bishop, I've noticed with a lot of curiosity that you have extra love for young people. I want to know what motivates it. Like, what motivates your extra love for these young people? The Lord Jesus, he loved everyone, including young people. That I have been taught from scripture over the years. And that motivates me to love young people. Young people are the future of us all, the future of the church, the future of the country. You know, there is a saying from West Africa that you can send an old dog to catch a young rabbit. Old dogs know the tricks. They will do. But really, you can send a young dog who wants to prove a point to catch a young rabbit, and they will do it. If our country, our continent, by statistics, the way we know it, probably 70% are young people, there is no way we are not going to love young people. There is no way the Lord is not going to love young people. There is no way any adult in their right senses will not love young people. So that's one thing that motivates me. And young people have power. They have the ability to do things. Our Lord Jesus was a young person when he brought all this revelation and love and salvation to the world. Just 30 years. This is it. In a diocese, when I was consecrated, I said, young people, this is your diocese. And you have a real place. Now I'm training people who are young. 28 years below, I'm giving them scholarships to train and to come to ministry. The Bible says, give your energy when you are still young. We read this in Ecclesiastes. So really, there is that. But over time, my dad also loved me as a young person. I saw it. That has never gone out of me. In ministry, I've had many people in ministry whom I saw, who shaped my ministry, who loved young people and loved me as one of those young people. Put all those together. You can't beat it. You have to love young people. Lastly, what should I ask you that I don't know enough to ask? No, I don't know now. <laughs> I think you have asked enough. Let's stop there. Thank you. Next time. Well, this has been... Thank you so much for your time, Lord Bishop, and it has been a pleasure. My pleasure too. Thank you, and be blessed.
Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you have been inspired by the wisdom of self-reflection. Please find us on www.standard.ucu.sc.ug and share with others this message that lights our way.